got a bad back. Now I have a friend who has a condition that means every day is painful for her. I have other friends with long-term conditions that cause them frequent pain. Not one of them grumbles. They put up with it, get on with life, and for the most part you'd be unaware that they're suffering. I'm not like that. When I have the slightest pain, sore throat, or anything at all, I make sure everyone knows. I tell anyone I happen to see from husband to the lady at the supermarket checkout. I find a way to bring it into any conversation. And in case at a later moment they forget I have a bad back, I ensure that my movements are slow and accompanied by a grimace. Or in the case of a sore throat, by an exaggerated cough while holding my throat. Oh yes, everyone's going to know when I'm poorly. Thankfully it doesn't happen very often. I think that's why I'm so dramatic when it does. I am very fortunate to have had a reasonably well life. I've not had any major illness, unless you count my sausage, which could have been very nasty. Have I told you about it? I don't think I have. As I say, any excuse to get the sympathy vote. A few years ago, I was bedridden with a really bad pain in my gut. I ended up in A&E where they said something was definitely wrong, but they couldn't work out what it was. I had a variety of scans that showed something a bit sausage-shaped, but again they didn't know what. The pain stopped and I was sent home with a referral to be seen again in a few months. At each consultation they said, mm, I don't know, but if it's not causing any problems it's up to you. We can remove it or wait a bit to see what happens. After about a year of this I said I wasn't too happy about having something unidentifiable inside me, so they operated. My sausage turned out to be my appendix, which had amputated itself. I'm not a doctor, don't ask me the specifics, but I assume the severe pain was when the cutting off occurred. The floating sausage then made its way down to my lady regions, hence the confusion in the scans. You probably didn't want to know all that detail, but I do like telling people about my sausage and how I believe I am probably unique in having cut off my own appendix. So where was I? Oh yes, apart from that, my life has been relatively healthy. And for the last 20 years or so, I've been going to exercise classes to try and maintain a level of fitness as I age. I always pride myself in my exercise classes on being better than most of the others. We're all over 50, you understand. Well, they say pride comes before a fall, and I fear I'm in free fall at the moment. Fortunately, both my fitness teachers are away this month, so I'm classless and have the opportunity to rest. I wouldn't mind if I'd been doing some serious weightlifting that had made my back go, but I was only doing a bit of weeding, and I'd only been doing it for about five minutes. I grabbed a bunch of weeds to pull up, not realising there was an electric cable in amongst them. It fought back and my back jerked. I suppose I'm lucky I could have been electrocuted. It's the second time in a few months that my back has twanged when I've been doing something innocuous. And last week my hip was tender too. I do not like this. I hate the idea that I'm getting old physically. I know it's inevitable. My face has long since shown the sagging and wrinkling signs of ageing. But I am going to persevere and if necessary adapt the exercises I do. But I know me. I'll get into class and just have to throw myself into it. No taking it easy. Poof! That's for wimps. But as husband said, when your body hurts, it's a sign you shouldn't ignore. 
Hmm. We'll see. I am so thankful to God, though, that he gave me a body that has worked so well for so many years. Which must raise the question, what about my friend who's endured a lifetime of pain? Why didn't she have a healthy body? That is one of the many questions I can't answer. I can only say, God only knows. Death, disease and decay were not present in Eden, but when sin entered, sickness came along with it. Of course, in some cases, we bring sickness upon ourselves. In others, it is the result of being sinned against. But the majority of illness is through no fault of the patient. Another question to ask God when we meet. But I wonder when God meets my friend, if he'll ask her, do you want to get well? That's the question Jesus asked a man who'd been an invalid for 38 years. It's a strange question, isn't it? You'd think the answer would be obvious. Of course I want to get well. What a stupid question. Strangely enough, though, the man's reply wasn't as clear-cut as you may have expected. There was a pool in Jerusalem called Bethesda. In fact, its probable location was discovered in the 19th century and can still be seen near the Church of St Anne. Healing springs were common throughout ancient history and even today people take the waters at Bath and other renowned spa areas. The high percentage of chemicals in the water give it healing properties and many of the pools source their water from hot springs. It seems that the pool at Bethesda may have had a hot water spring underneath it, but unusually it was intermittent, so the waters were only stirred up now and again. Some translations of John's Gospel, where you'll find this story, include these words. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in, was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. You won't find that in your NIV except in the footnotes, because it's not in the original manuscripts, but it explains the belief that the people at the time held. Only the first person in the pool, after the stirring of the water, would be healed. The Jews believed the pool was stirred up by angels. Greeks credited it to their pagan god of healing. Modern supposition is that the agitation of the water caused more healing mineral salts to be present, providing more effective cures. But back to the story. Because of the pool's healing properties, the sick, invalids, the blind, the lame, the paralysed, all gathered there every day waiting for the water to be stirred. One day Jesus visited the pool and he spotted a man who we're told had been an invalid for 38 years. We're told he was lying near the pool, which suggests he was paralysed or very lame, unable to move quickly. As I said, I exercised twice a week, but I'd have to be spending an awful lot of time pumping iron to get the muscles of a bodybuilder. That said, even with the little I do, I know my muscles are in better shape than they would be if I did nothing. Use it or lose it, as they say. If this man had been lying around for all those years, his muscles would have wasted away. Any strength he had in them at the beginning would have gone. Not only was he incapable of moving quickly, he probably struggled to move at all. So when Jesus asks him if he wants to get well, he says, oh, I have nobody to help me get into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. This tells us two things about the man, I think. He doesn't have any friends and he's given up hope. 
and maybe he'd grown accustomed to life as it was. Begging for money and sustenance to get by, accepting that was his lot. Jewish law taught that all humans should be treated with dignity and justice. In Deuteronomy they're told, open your hands to the poor and the neighbours in your land who are in need. So life as a beggar might have been an okay one. And 38 years is an awfully long time. To change your routine, your lifestyle, your habits, after that would be a great upheaval. So maybe that's why he doesn't instantly respond to Jesus with a, of course I want to get well. In the book of Proverbs in the Bible, we're reminded that hope deferred makes the heart sick. Or, as it says in the message version, unrelenting disappointment leaves you heart sick. The message version goes on to say, but a sudden good break can turn life around. This invalided, hopeless man was about to get his sudden good break. When he was helpless, Jesus stepped in. He told the man to pick up your mat and walk. And instantly the man did so. Sometimes we need to be hopeless at our lowest before Jesus can lift us up. The man who was without hope didn't question, didn't doubt, just did as Jesus told him. I hope I can have that faith when I need it. But, and it's quite a big but, the story doesn't end there. First of all, the Pharisees got all upset about the man working on the Sabbath. They had gone so overboard with their rules that carrying his mat counted as working. And when the man told them his story, they wanted to know who had done the healing, as he too was breaking the law by working on the Sabbath. But the man didn't know. He hadn't even stopped to ask Jesus his name. We're told then that a little while later, Jesus comes across the man in the temple, where he gives him a serious warning. Stop sinning, or something worse may happen to you. This seems to be one of the rare occasions where personal sin has called the man's illness. And is the man now grateful to Jesus for healing him? It seems not, as he hurries from the temple to the Pharisees to tell them, It was a man called Jesus who healed me. It wasn't my fault. He wants to be rid of any blame on himself. In the same way that he moaned originally, I don't have any friends to lift me into the pool. It's not my fault I'm lying here. Jesus is now suggesting that his sin might have been the reason for his illness and that it was his fault that he was lying there. You might wonder if having a self-caused illness would make Jesus think twice about healing him. But it seems not. It didn't make a difference to Jesus. He saw the man at the poolside, and out of all the people there, many of whom no doubt had illnesses for which they were not responsible, chose the one bad apple to heal. He gave him a chance not only of healing, but of redemption, of salvation. Did the man go on and change his ways? We're not told. The fact that he immediately goes and squeals to the authorities that it was that man Jesus who healed him and who broke the rules doesn't point to an immediate change of heart. I doubt that Jesus was surprised by the man's actions, but maybe he was disappointed. But Jesus knows that all he can do is offer the hope the opportunity for redemption, and then leave it to the individual to make his own decision. The gate is wide open. Anyone can go through it. Anyone who chooses to. Nobody will be forced through against their will. It has to be our own decision.
But when we have the very epitome of love inviting us, why would we refuse? Thank you for listening.